Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, hello, Voice America listeners, and we're so happy to have you with us today. This is our actual our final show of 2020, and it's been a very uh, exciting and different year for all of us. Um, a lot of people have really gotten into that thing about, God, I'm so happy 2020 is over. I'm so glad 2020 is over. And I hear that, and I and I agree to a certain extent, but as we know on this show, we're all about celebrating our strengths and our successes and look how much you accomplished during 2020 you're if you're listening to this podcast then your life is probably going somewhat okay you probably don't have covid you're probably not lying in a hospital you're probably not waiting for somebody else who's lying in a hospital and if you are my blessings are with you but for the most part you know we stayed strong and we were able to persevere so thank you 2020 for giving us the strength because as we say our strength is our 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 survival is our strength it's not our shame so today i'm very excited um i've had a tradition of having as as you guys remember i am a school psychologist and have been for about 30 years and i each year, try and have our association president on, and this will be the fourth time we're having an association president. Dr. Janine Talapian will be on with us today, and we're very happy to have her. The school psychology field is so different right now, and the California Association of School Psychologists, with which Dr. Talapian uh, uh, heads, is doing a lot of work trying to train school psychologists prior to COVID, trying to train school psychologists how to move into the 21st century. And now with COVID, things are very, very different in how we apply our field. You know, school psychology started uh, in the field of, of behavioral, really, analysis. It really looked at behavioral health and... It's goes back to the early 19th century where there was a lot of, you know, behavioral research that was going on. And somewhere around 1890, people started looking at educational and learning processes. And a lot of school psychology for many, many years, particularly between like 1890 and 1950, uh, was very much about psychometry, uh, which is our ability to assess and uh, measure children's various aptitudes. And there was a conference that went on, it's known as the Thayer Conference, 
and it happened in the early 50s. And it, the purpose of the conference was to develop different positions and within the American Psychological Association. And one of the things that came to be was there were about a thousand school psychologists around then. And they were more educational psychologists doing a lot of assessment. And that assessment first came about uh, really in the Army. They were trying to place people. And so they needed an aptitude test in order to determine where an officer should be. And so they would give this test. And that later turned into what we call an intelligence quotient or an IQ test. And uh, in the THEIR conference, they were really trying to determine, like, what do school psychologists do? And, And they're very different than... They are today, 50, actually almost 60 years, actually almost 70 years later. Um, Our school psychology organization, if I'm not mistaken, just celebrated our 70th birthday, our 70th anniversary. And that's 70 years of educators in California attempting to best assist kids. There are different types of school psychologists throughout the the nation, and there have been for a long time. There are some that go through a two- or three-year program with an internship and and, and with a master's degree and a credential. There are some that are at the doctoral level and then also gain a credential. Um, Different programs, uh, usually when you have the doctorate, as I happen to have, and Dr. Tilapian happens to have, it's more of a research uh, reason why you get the doctorate these days. It's not a requirement, um, but uh, it, it can further your your skills. Now, at the Thayer Conference, it was basically decided that you did not have to have a doctoral degree in order to practice. Now, remember that the... Oh, I'm sorry, my my mic went out for a second. Uh, at the conference, at the Thayer conference, they were trying to determine again what levels of education people needed. And they did determine that to be called a school psychologist, you needed a doctorate. But it was later determined that the credential and the National Association of School Psychologists lobbied to have at the master's level. Now what would be called a school psychologist. And when you talk educational psychology, it tends to be more about researching learning processes, researching how children are achieving or not achieving, and looking at different areas. Um, it's also just around the nineteen early 1900s that... This darn microphone is is misbehaving today. It was just around the 1900s that we also started to have compulsory education. So there are a lot of different students coming in to schools. And you had to determine how are we going to best educate the kids. And now 
there was a particular person, Leitner Whipner, who was considered kind of the founder of school psychology. And he was a student of William Wundt. Wundt. And Wundt was the one that in the 1890s really did a tremendous amount of work in regards to behavior. And uh, he actually opened up a clinic in the 1890s, which is a children's clinic to kind of determine learning differences. But it was the first time in our society, really, that learning differences were even considered. And we spend a lot of time now thinking about uh, how kids can be uh, assisted in different ways uh, and and accommodated for and and it is our job as professionals now to understand a child's disability. But but back in the early 1900s, it wasn't the case. It simply was more about. Uh, labeling and and placement and so what ended up happening a lot in school psychology for many many years was school psychologists were kind of stuck in doing a tremendous amount of assessment and determining whether or not in the 1970s we started having special education law so it was all about determining whether or not kids were in special education or not in special education and that was very necessary in the beginning, but it turned into a tremendous amount of kids in special education labeled with learning disabilities who not ne- didn't necessarily have learning disabilities, but they had reading, math, or writing problems, and they had to be assisted in some way. And the only way that you could really get the help was if you had a determining label. So that, again, created like this huge amount of individuals in special education. So somewhere towards the end of the 1990s, probably actually around 2001, there were a series of nine white papers, white papers are government papers, uh, that, or like research papers that were written. And what those government papers talked about uh, was this issue of too many kids in special education. What that turned into was what we now call response to intervention and how kids are, we, we must make sure that we give them certain interventions before we start calling them disabled. And not only because it is a huge amount of kids in special education requiring a lot of funding, but also that label kind of will, can knock down a person's motivation or understanding of themselves. And we want to make sure that kids are able to function at the best level that they can. So now, Anytime a school psychologist does a report, they have to determine what past interventions were done before any kind of special education placement. So now school psychologists do counseling and they do behavioral support and they do assessment and they do curriculum development. They do a lot more things than just assessment. And it's a, a, a wonderful field and we're just at the beginning of our, our first break so I want you to go get a cup of coffee and get something to fill your tummy. We are, again, so happy to have Dr. Janine Tilapian with us. And when we return from our break, we'll start our interview. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be, and our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seanservice at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back, Voice America listeners. I'm sorry I was having a little bit of technical difficulty in that first segment, but I think we have resolved it. Uh, really happy to have Dr. Janine Talapian with us. She is the current president of the California Association of School Psychologists, otherwise known as CASP. She serves as a specialist in the Psychological Services Department in the Los Angeles Unified School District and is a commissioner for the California Department Education's Advisory Commission on Special Education. Dr. Tapolian has experienced servicing students and their families served in a various positions in education and mental health for over 20 years. She continuously strives to bridge the gap between school programs and community agencies by overseeing training and provisions of education and mental health programs for the youth of the community by increasing parental involvement. Dr. Talapian also works collaboratively with principals and schools and support staff and other school psychology like school psychology interns and field work students and parents and community agencies to implement school-wide instructional uh, programs such as crisis programs and social emotional programs and behavioral prevention and intervention programs to mitigate issues that interfere with the student's mental health and their overall learning. Dr. Napoleon specifically with students with special education is trained and is licensed and certified to assess, evaluate, and service students within all 13 areas of qualification, including students with attention deficit hyperactive disorder, dyslexia, neurological disorders, intellectual delays, autism, emotional disturbance, specific learning disabilities, and other other health impairments. Wow. Dr. Janine, quite a bio. <laughs> I had to like take a breath in order to get through all of it. That's, you know, a, a strong background. And I know your background and I've known you for many years. So I welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dr. Surface. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for having me. Yes. So thank you for having me. 
Well, it's good to have you. And everybody calls me Dr. Sean, and I've known you forever, so we'll just keep it to Dr. Janine and Dr. Sean and make it really easy. Hey, you know, so I was talking about school psychology and how it's changed over the years, and we were so involved in just doing assessment, assessment, assessment. And now, really over the last 20 years, really since you and I really became school psychologists, we started, we were trained in counseling, we were trained in behavioral areas, we were trained in a, a much more in-depth than the generation of school psychologists before us. What's your uh, vision now for school psychology, where how much does it match that original, you know, it used to be everything was assessment towards aptitude, like where did you land? Now it's more assessment towards intervention, like what do you need to be successful? So what's your, what are your thoughts around that? So, um, like you mentioned, right, where our field is ever-changing and with this whole pandemic in itself and with the different, you know, with the social injustices, our role is even changing more and more. Um, I think we're being seen as important uh, support staff at school sites where we are able to collaborate and consult and provide that, um, that gap between the education and mental health, because that is our training at the end of the day. We are trained, uniquely trained, and we specialize in the education systems and the mental health of, of students, and we also assist parents. I think it's, it's where we're working with school teams to provide these interventions, as you mentioned, for, um, to make sure that we have students who are going to be able to succeed in life overall. And um, granted, you know, the aptitude test, as you said, and all those are, are a part of our job, but that's not what we are trained in more to do. That's not the only training that we have. We're not, like you said, we're not just the psychometric metricians of the past. Um, it's changed overall, right? So we're out there. We're the face of part of the school teams, and people are looking at us as, as support. It's interesting because I remember couple of things. I remember a uh, assessment that I did uh, for, I think it actually was for, it was a school-based assessment, but it was the, the regional centers, the Department of Developmental Services had asked for it. And when I gave them the assessment, there were a lot of things in it in regards to communication skills, how to build up the communicate, because the behavioral issues were really about him not being able to express himself so he was more behaviorally oriented to act out and so I had all these language interventions and they got mad at me and they said you're a school psychologist you're putting all these things that a, a speech and language pathologist should be putting into the report why didn't you put in you know and I thought to myself well what are if the assessment that we did determined that communication was the intervention area then as a school psychologist and as an educational psychologist, I got to look at that area and go, okay, what can I offer and recommend to intervene in that area? But it was like a step out of the norm. Now, all, it's, it's funny, maybe about two, three years ago, I saw a, a memo that came out from the regional centers that said, all psychological reports must include a communicative intent of their their, you know, client's behavior or whatever. And so we are, we see many things as school psychologists and we're able to do many things. The second thing that occurred was I, I was doing a conference many years ago and 
at that convention, I was discussing how school psychologists need to broaden their their field, do more, and stop saying, I don't do counseling, I don't do behavior, I don't do this, I don't do that. And a couple of school psychologists got so angry with me because I had made that statement. But, you know, kids keep changing. So we have to keep changing, right? I mean, I'm doing all the talking here, and I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. we... No, 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 you're right. Our, our, our <laughs> roles have expanded so much that if you don't have training in multiple areas, uh, you really can't do this job anymore. I mean, you're qualified in 13 areas, meaning that you truly understand 13 different completely types of individuals varying from intellectual disabilities, which has a whole range of people, to autism, which has a whole range of people, to dyslexia. So, I mean, you're a very knowledgeable person as a model school psychologist. How can school psychologists deal with all this COVID stuff now? How do you go and do what needs to be done, do the counseling, do the mental health support, do the academic support? Tell me, what do you talking about with your fellow school psychs in regards to this? So the first thing is, Sean, that, of course, our first goal is make sure that the mental health of students. So that has been the focus. I mean, from the get-go, from this whole pandemic, school psychologists have been out there. They've been working hard, not only with the students, but also working with the parents, school staff, again, with school systems, of just trying to um, help them overall with the different, you know, mental health needs. So that could be within, like you mentioned, like the multi-tiered system of supports of how we're doing things from the first was, you know, the first tier is like working with the schools, working with the staff of just educating them, of looking for signs and symptoms and, and just being able to give them some tools and resources of what to do. Um, and then the second tier has been more doing like those small groups, the social emotional learning programs, the check-ins, which are very important, not only with not only with students, but also with the staff and parents, because parents are in crisis at this point. Staff, they have their own, you know, depending on if the school district is um, hybrid model, in-person model, or virtual model, they all have their own um, challenges. So we've been working with them. And then with the third tier, obviously, we've been giving more intensive services in that in, in itself. But as as a cast, what we're doing as a board is just being more involved in those conversations. And fortunately, like, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, 2020, we should just be grateful for all the good things. And cast has been out there and we're thankful for a California department of education. We're thankful for all our other people, personnel service um, partners, because we're all working together. We have, this framework we just put out there where how as PPS providers, we're all working together within the schools and also partnering with our community agencies. Um, and I'm going to continue to say that, you know, the, which was great to hear from the office of administrative hearing about when you bring up the whole regional center and the assessments, because in schools, as you know, Dr. Sean, it's been more that, you know, we look at all areas. We look at the language. We look at the motor. We look at all those. However, when regional center does hire just a clinician in itself, um, it's not as thorough as what we would do. And what I was saying was uh, OAH, what they found in Alameda was that, you know, somebody like a school psychologist or with an LEP is more qualified If not, you know, because of all of that, um, where we could do all those assessments and bridging that 
bringing together the education, the mental health, looking at the behavior. And as school psychologists now, we have all these advanced training as you do with the behavior. I have the neuropsych. So we're advancing. We're out there. We're growing. And the fear comes from not getting those trainings. And when people do turn around, and this is something that CASP has been doing for a long time, is trying to say, yes, school psychologists do mental health counseling. We are out there. So once we give them the tools and start to train them, I think it's a shift in um, mindset, right? So they start yes. thinking they're able to do it. So yeah, so they are. are changing, and, they're, and, they're, the and they're very strong and able to do it. And it's interesting because you bring up a very, uh, 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 I don't want to use the word interesting again. You, you bring up a topic about outside people coming in and doing assessments and really, yeah, they might be able to find the top layer of what's going on, the understanding of scores being lower than they should be in comparison to others, that they're not, uh, their memory levels are not at the same level. But to be able to understand that ebb and flow of teacher and student interaction and how that relationship and the parent-child relationship all comes into play in regards to education is what school psychologists spend their whole careers looking at. And a clinical psych looks for disease. They look for what is not working well. So they're going to look at, again, rating scales that are lower, IQ tests or measures that are lower than expected, and report on that, where, yeah, the school psychologist and uh, when the regional centers or the outside agencies uh, uh, put their specialists into place instead of school psychologists, it's very worrisome that they're not gaining all the information that they need. I also wonder just, and then we have about two minutes until our break, our next commercial, but I like, how are school psychologists going about this right now? Because kids with severe uh, disabilities, you know, they have a really hard time with the computer, with sitting in front of the computer. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that. So you say you're working a lot with your intensive services. And literally, we have a minute before our break, and we'll pick up more on this afterwards. But how how can schools and school psychologists assist with those situations where the child may not be able to uh, glean a lot of information from looking at a computer screen. So do you want me to wait or do you want to? Yeah, you know, it's, and... it's hard. Okay. I, I guess I, I want you to think about it. And one of the, the things mm-hmm. that we're like wondering is like, I'm being asked to do all these assessments right now. And I have to make sure that they're they're valid and I really understand the kid. So I spend a lot of time just getting to know him. So yeah, when we get back from our break, we'll we'll pick up on this idea of or this concern or thought about how we continue to do assessments as school psychs these days. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. 
At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now. To showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event, visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back, Voice America listeners, and we're talking to Dr. Janine Talopian this morning. She is the California Association of School Psychologists president, and we're, we've been discussing how kids, well, first of all, what school psychologists do and how we're doing it now differently than what we were doing 50 years ago. But also with COVID, and I was just saying to Dr. Janine during the break that I've been asked to do a lot of assessments right now and I'm concerned especially about doing initial types of assessments where kids have never been in special education before and Dr. Janine I'll throw it out to you it's like how do you feel uh, and what are your thoughts about how school psychologists need to go about 
doing assessments now since they do need to be done virtually. We're not doing a lot of face-to-face stuff. And kids are still in high need. And so tell me of just what your ideas are about approaching this thing that school psychologists have been doing forever, which is assessment. How, how do you see it going now? So, uh, again, Sean, I think it's just, uh, you know, just pivoting right now and just thinking, you know, just shifting from a little bit from what we were doing. It's not any different because a lot of the assessments, yes, we can't, and CAST has two resource papers out there about assessments. And we don't endorse doing um, virtual initial assessments. Um, of course, we could do our virtual observations. We could do a lot of the rating scales. We could do a lot of the interviews. However, I mean, again, we understand that what we see behind that screen is not, or even with just in-person assessments with the, with the PPEs that we have to use, how valid are our results? How reliable are they? So right. um, I think we have to use and with anything we do. Right. Not only during this time, but also just in the just when we assessed eight months ago, how what that looked like was we used our professional judgment. I think it comes down to that. Yes, we are relying more on what teachers and parents and previous, you know, uh, teaching staff or educators would say about that student. But again, I think we're well equipped with the foundation of knowing what it looks like. If a child is having challenges currently, well, the questions we need to ask is, what was it like before? Are they accessing their distance learning? Are they attending in person? You know, what does that look like? How are they, is there an aversion to that screen like you were mentioning? I think what's more important is looking at all the data and making our professional judgment based on that, because we do holistic assessments. Um, and, and thinking about, like, what is the special what is the assessment going to give me, right? What are some of the supports and services? It's not about eligibility. It's more about the supports and services as a yeah. team of what they could provide. And that could be even prior to, let's say, the assessment, the initial assessment itself, is thinking about what we provide as a team within the MTSS framework. And that's where it comes in. And then once we approach those parents and the, and the school and how, and that's our role too, right? We do a lot of consultation, collaboration, as one of our standards for our national association of, of doing all that. So that's, that's the part of it. So if a child comes to us with a, for example, with, um, uh, let's say, I don't know, like a seizure disorder, right? We know that that it could of course have some learning disabilities. They could of course have some, um, attention issues. They could have all those things at the end of the day, that's a health concern. So giving a provisional, again, working out with our related services, um, and trying to figure out what could we give at this point in time as an eligibility to be able to provide some supports and services for the student. Um, I think if we just try to do our best within the confines of this whole situation um, and use our professional judgment, that's what that's all we can do, right? I mean, it's not in our control, but so we you do have the skill set. And yes, go ahead. No, so you brought something up earlier during the first. So the second segment, when we were first beginning to talk, you, you, you mentioned parents and prior and working with parents. Prior to 2004, mm-hmm. we really weren't even required to have parent involvement. We, did, we made suggestions. The IEP team created a program. 
of course now we know that parents have the best understanding of their kid. One of the things that I have noticed during my own assessments that I've been doing over the last couple months is that there is no way that the child could do what I need, needed them to do unless they had some adult there prompting them, showing them what to do. Many of the kids that I work with and that you work with also have assigned one-on-one assistance for educational support. Maybe it's for behavioral support. They have some type of specialized training. Parent doesn't have that. They don't have that specialized training, but now they are the ones that are sitting next to their kid, prompting them, trying to get them to, you know, to be in that learning process. How do we, how do we support them more? How do we support as school psychologists? Now I'm going to say something kind of weird, but you'll you'll get it. I mm-hmm. some research that was done some years ago looked at school counseling, at whether or not school counseling worked or not. And it was done as a meta-analysis, which looked at whether or not, looked at a bunch of different interventions of school school psychology, school counseling, to see if that mental health support was working and how strongly it was working. And what it was determined, and this was in about 2008, what it determined was that we had a negative effect size in school counseling, meaning that it may not help so much to go into school counseling, and sometimes it might hurt. Why? Because Uh you have this issue that's going on that's very dear to my heart, and I try and work on a lot with organizations and families. It's the identified patient, where the kid becomes the identified patient. He becomes, you know, he's coming from an environment that's very difficult, that uh, uh, is causing him a lot of mental health stress, And he's the one who's on medication. He's the one who has a behavior plan. He's the one. But what about the people around him? Why are they not approached? And, you know, we talked about parent involvement, but we never have parents involved in our counseling sessions. We don't have parents involved in in their own goals and objectives that what they need to. I mean, what do you, it's not to say that you should set a, a new policy, but what are your thoughts around that? Because I just so commonly see this identified patient issue on our kids, me, especially our kids with emotional disturbance. Yeah, you have a kid with a seizure disorder, you're right, it's a medical thing. The parents don't have much control over that, but they do in regards to mental health support. So how would that look? How would it look to have parents involved in the mental health supports of their kids? Go for it. So, uh, again, I think because of this whole pandemic, we've learned that we've been working with more and more with parents. So what you brought up before the break was um, how are we supporting students who have an aversion to the screen? We've been doing a lot of asynchronous and synchronous. If the asynchronous could be more of providing the, you know, talking to the parents, providing psychoeducation about what are some of the social-emotional, let's say, lessons they could work with their student. Um, and also get picking up that phone and checking with the parent. Hey, how's it going? So I think we are trying to work with the parents more, but the point is that provide, we've learned from this, and I think moving forward this is going to be a key component, is the psychoeducation of helping parents uh, support their child. 
Yeah. And what that looks like is helping them understand how that looks like in different you know, aspects of the student's life. Because we do, you're right. I mean, that's one thing is that the student is identified um, patient and what happens to the family. Because even with kids who go to um, to residential treatment centers, right. they get all the help. What happens to the parents at home? Exactly. Because back. And you you hit it parents, right on the right? head because so, those are the kids I'm talking about. I've been doing all of these exactly. out-of-state residential assessments where it's like, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And the, the ones that I have seen that are highly successful where that kid can actually come back, be functioning with his family, during the whole time there was parent-family counseling, there was parent-alone counseling, family counseling, kid-alone, kid-with-parent. So... I think, yeah, if during this time, again, like I said in the beginning, everybody's like, oh, 2020 is the worst. Maybe it's the best because it's going to mm-hmm. move us towards involving other people now and helping out. You know, my doctoral dissertation actually was looking at siblings of children with autism. How do they do socially and academically? And that's a huge issue still. You know, I my doctorate was 15 years ago. Still today. We see that siblings are in in high need. So that family involvement, I'm so pleased to hear you say what you're saying because I don't think the kids can be successful on their own. I don't think that without training parents. Because it's not in silos. I mean, sorry, we have to go back and think about the family dynamics of how it all works together and how we could make sure that everybody's collaborating, but also that brings us to the point of where we need our outside community partners of, of, and, and also the school-based uh, mental health providers with the, you know, like school psychologists who are at the table having these discussions when kids transition back, when these students are able to even just continuing with that, right? Just coming back to the home or, or even with the family preservation of supports, right? We have those from the counties where we could be part of those conversations and, and help the transition back. Um, right, I because we're, we're going to be that out. support. We're going to be that support coordinator exactly. when that kid returns. Hey, we're here on our last uh, commercial break, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. 
Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now. To showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event, visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back, and we've been talking to the president of the California Association of School Psychologists, Dr. Janine Talopian, in regards to all sorts of things in in school psychology. And when we, uh, before we went on the last break, we were discussing the education of kids and our concerns now about making sure that not just the kids are intervened upon but that parents are also given training because there's so much going on within the uh the household um how are school psychologists in your district providing uh, mental health services right now so we are providing it like i mentioned asynchronously and synchronously and um, so some parents obviously don't have the, because um, we, we, we like a parent at home when the student, especially in elementary school, to be around. Um, and sometimes the parent may not be technologically savvy and not be able to log on and things like that. So our districts are providing a lot of support for parents in that sense. But also we're providing, um, you know, it could be telephonically, it could be any source of uh, mm-hmm. any way where we could contact the parents and be able to provide that um, psychoeducation piece of it, of how to help their student if they're not able to make a session, if they're not able to, um, you know, whatever, if they're having issues with the student, so providing check-ins even over the phone with the students to be able to have that relationship and continued relationship with the students. So um, we're working within the classroom settings where we're providing social-emotional learning. Um, We're working with the staff. So we're doing all of those things to help alleviate some of the, um, 
I mean, stressors for parents, for teachers, for students to be able to have like to go to like have a person at the school site to have that familiar face of connection um, and provide that outlet for them to help them access their education at the end of the day. Is LA Unified doing any in school right now or is it all virtual? Is it all um, No, it's all virtual. We are all virtual at this point. We just went back to going all virtual. Yeah, because I know we some of the, the school districts. Of thinking, yeah. yeah, some of the districts, especially yeah. with like the young preschoolers and and TK, you know, transition to kindergarten students and our severely handicapped kids were starting to yeah do some more on site things. I continue to you know have and as do you have concern of whether or not we can produce valid results, but the more people that are trained and involved, I, I think the, the, uh, the, the outcome and the outlook for our kids is, is better and better. I think that between March and June of last year, yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. We were flying by the seat of our pants, but between May and August, I think that a lot of the districts and CAS for one year organization really put a lot of effort into thinking, what can we do to best serve our kids? And you guys have been putting out wonderful webinars, which, by the way, any listener, if you're interested, you can go to CASP, C-A-S-P, online, all one word, dot O-R-G, and you can pick up some really great webinars in regards to what, if you are a school psychologist and you're listening, you can pick up some great uh, uh, um, trainings, and if you are not and you're just interested, there's some non-member things that you can listen to also. So it's a great organization I've been involved with for many, many years, and I start to think, you know, I actually was on your board starting in 1997 and was on for about 20 years, and I thought then, okay, what are new school psychologists going to do? Now, that was 20 years ago. And I saw the board doing a lot of different things over those two decades to bring school psychologists into the future. So what's the future now, Janine? What's the next step for school psychologists 20 years from now? What do you think, you know, what are things going to look like? I'm very hopeful um, every single day because I would love to say what, I mean, when I started my presidency, I had a different vision, as, as you may know, and, and things just changed because of what our society is facing. But in 20 years, I'm hoping we are going to be, um, we're going to have one school psychologist at each school at the minimum, to be able to um, guide, support, to be able to consult, collaborate, to do all those things at school sites, and also be able to have somebody uh, in the California Department of Education, um, like a PPS uh, holder, like school psychologist, who will be able to bring that perspective in where we would be able to um, advance, right, and educate them. Because I think people just don't understand what we do and what kind of services we can provide. So I'm hopeful that we will have somebody in CDE um, with, uh, for our profession and be able to fight that fight out there too. Um, and, and it's ever-changing, and I'm hopeful that, you know, we'll just be more of the face of a school in that I, sense, providing the I mental health, the supports for students and staff. Yeah, I think you're, you've hit it on the head. 
I think that we're going to move more into a coordinator role, working with multiple services. And this community outreach and, and connection and collaboration is really the only way for us to move forward as a culture, as an educating culture. Without the community involvement, I don't know how we would do it. And schools, we we did. We became very afraid of outsiders coming in because it was often to uh, tell us what we were doing wrong or, or not being supportive. And now, and that was like a lot of lawyers coming in and things that we really, you know, the only, it seemed like the only way that, that parents and schools work together was through legal. And now we see more of a collaborative effort. And we only have two minutes till the close of the show. But I love the fact that you connect your presidency with your desires to further this collaborative effort because it's been a difficult one for parents to collaborate with schools and schools to fill that collab- that comfortableness with the community. And I think that, I think you're right, Janine. I think that that is, you say you hope and pray that this will be, and I think you're right. A school psychologist mm-hmm. in every school, oh my God, would that be amazing? Because what support that one person could give instead of being pulled in 50,000 different, actually, what is it, 1,500 to one? So 1,500 uh, different directions. Yeah. You know, rather than being in, you know, uh, maybe you have three or 400 kids that, and out of that, you're really only looking at 40 or 50 that you would be working with. So we are at the close of our show and I really want to thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your thoughts with us. I wish you a great presidency. You're about thank 25% you. into it already and You've had your your recent virtual convention, which was a success. Yes, yes, definitely. I think you're going to be a very successful president. And and I've been around long enough to see a lot of different presidencies. And I love your energy. So thank you for... Thank you. You know, it's it's brilliant in its sharing skill and, and your... The person that you put out to the world is is very beneficial for other school psychologists to model from. So thank you, Janine. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. It was very, very nice. And this will be recorded so that other school psychologists can listen to it. And we want to thank you for being on the show. And thank you, listeners. And remember that on Strategies and Solutions, we're all about your successes and celebrating those challenges that you've gone through. So we'll see you again soon. Blessings. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.